Three, two, one. Hey, this is Josh, and this is the seventh episode of the Status Dramaticus podcast. So just a little disclaimer for this episode. The family is home, and my guest is my wife, so there's no one to watch the baby, so you're going to hear some noises in the background. You're going to hear some clicking of the dogs clacking clacking (laughs) on the hardwood floor, and you're going to hear Grayson just babbling in the background in his pit of balls. So, without further ado, with that disclaimer in place, I want to introduce my wife. She is a pretty much brand new emergency nurse. She's still on orientation, even after all of the warnings I gave her about being an ER nurse, she still wanted to do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey wife. Hey husband. (laughs) Um, Well, I have been a nurse at least for three years though. That's true. I made the the switch um, from mid-surge nursing, floor nursing, to uh, the emergency room department. And uh, it has been, uh, uh, it started in March, and it has been quite an adventure already. Yeah, Um, you came in at a really nice time. Yeah, I mean, I started March 1st, and two weeks later, we were in a, you know, a global pandemic. So, um, yeah, I got to, I've been able to experience a lot and uh i look forward to continuing to do so because it's not stopping right <laughs> no not and i all. think it's picking up again with the non-covid related stuff yeah um for a little while there especially with the you know governor um doing the stay-at-home order um you know people were actually staying home and the emergency room was actually seemingly seemed to be used for emergencies um which was um, awesome. So there were higher acuity patients, um, and uh, you know, mostly just that uh, higher acuity, mostly uh, emergency. Cases. And I think that's pretty consistent when we were comparing notes when I was in the ER and you're in the ER. It was like maybe the volumes were down, but at the same time they were just like the sickest of the sick that was right. coming in. Yeah, and you know, just for those who know, we do work at different emergency rooms. That's um, right. Yeah, I can't I deal with you at I work and home. Yeah, I couldn't stand doing that. <laughs> I love you, but yeah. Well, I got that on recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, um, so yeah. I, so far, I have, um, like I said, I, I've enjoyed um, my time in the emergency room. It's 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 different than floor nursing. Um, I wouldn't say one's better than the other or anything at this point. I just, I just, you know, it's different. It's a different type of nursing, and um, that's what I was, I was going for. Do you think nursing school prepared you better for the floor than it did for the ER? You think it was more geared towards that? Um, well, I'm three years out, so um, I will say that my transition from nursing school and um, onto the floor um, was for lack of better word easier um but you know i went straight from nursing school into that um now three years later some of the stuff that i know that there was a lot that we covered in nursing school um that i just simply didn't use as often as i do now um you know just particular lab values and things i recall them in nursing school i just didn't use them that much so it's like a refresher once you got to the ed Mm -hmm. because you utilize these things more often exactly yeah certain medications just things of that sort um yeah it's just a different 
different kind of nursing. Um, and like I said, not one being easier than the other or better than the other. It's just a different kind of nursing. Right. So you always wanted to be an ER nurse, right? I did. Um, I went into nursing school to be an ER nurse. Um, you know, like they, always, I don't know how, what the saying is or whatever, but like, it's kind of like the something, the thing that you want the most is something that you're most afraid of kind of thing. Like, I really wanted to be an ER nurse, but I was really, really scared to be You're intimidated. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did floor nursing because um, I, I did feel like that was the foundation of nursing and I, I needed to have his basic um, skills. And uh, I'm glad, so helpful, you know, grateful that I did that. Um, and then through the years being with you in the emergency room, and uh you know your experiences and i was like oh i don't know if i want to do it you know <laughs> so a lot of work yeah so sometimes you know you would uh yeah i would be even more intimidated but I, so there was still part of me that always just i had to try it i'm i'm glad you're scratching it off your list but one now that you're there is it as intimidating as you thought it was going to be no <laughs> right um, the workload's still there yeah and like i said it's a different type of nursing um but, but you, it's nothing you can't handle. Exactly. Right. And, and I like I I tell any any new nurse that I precept, I tell them that they can do this. Right. Um, you know, if I can just let myself get out of the way, and that's kind of what I needed to do is kind of step away from my thoughts and stuff and just kind of do it. And, you know, I'm still in orientation. Um, and uh, I'll be done soon. Um, and I still, obviously, I haven't seen anything in, in nursing's a type of thing. It's an experienced type of job, and, you know, you learn as you go. Um, but I'm, you know, I come to work eager to learn, and um, I'm just glad I made the transition. Um, there are parts that I do truly, truly miss with floor nursing. Um, and there are also, you know, parts that I'm really happy I made the change. Right. So... Yeah, I've never been a floor nurse, so I don't know how I would respond to it. I do like that I can kind of see the two sides, at least two views of nursing, you know, um, to know what it's like to be a floor nurse from an ER nurse perspective and vice versa. I um, guess that's interesting because I always think about the difference, and I put that into perspective as when I call report. Right. Like what the floor nursing cares about and what I cared about for my Mm -hmm. time taking care of this and, patient and it really is interesting because now I see both sides and um you know and then in my experience I feel like you know you gotta get report upstairs by a certain time but then I know when I know what it's like to be the floor nurse and when I find out I'm getting a new patient and how much time I have to look them up and things of that sort so it's like you both ends have certain restraints um you know that are affecting that and so I can see where that report process taking place can be very uh, <laughs> well because it's just so, so different the, the example that's always brought up and like when you're looking at your ER friends and your floor nurse friends on Facebook they've got like those memes mm -hmm. like patient can't breathe but then floor nurse says what's the skin look like exactly yeah and which might not be fair and it's funny because, you know, I'm learning from my preceptor and, you know, I 
I still have my floor nurse eyes. And so, you know, when I'm doing my documentation and things of that sort, you know, my eyes are looking at, I got to stage this wound and I, I, you know, this was here on this skin and this was there. But, you know, and I have to also learn to become an ER nurse and the, the difference between, you know, a floor nurse and an ER nurse in, in a, there are many differences, but, you know, as far as assessment's concerned, you know, as a floor nurse, we do head to toe assessment, um, skin, everything. Um, and from what I'm learning is that we do look at that in the emergency room, but it's very focused. Your assessment is really based upon what the patient comes in for. And those are your real things. If you happen to see some things, obviously tell them a report. But so I guess some floor nurses, they are very concerned about the skin. Whereas I can but say, well, I, this that's patient. That's what they're supposed to be. Right. Where I'd be like, well, I was more focused on administering TPA, you know, and the condition, you know, things like that. I, didn't I don't that. think that's so bad. I think when it gets bad is when the when there's like animosity between the right. floor and the ER because they think that they're supposed to be more united in what they're supposed to be assessing, which is just isn't, it isn't true. Right. And, and yeah, I, it's, like I said, I can see, I literally can sit here and play both sides. Yeah. I, I can see both sides and, um, you know, just, you know, Part a of the stress of, of the job, too, is right, like, you, you didn't know, do this, I'm already busy. One person's thinking on one end, oh, I'm really busy, and the other person's thinking they're really busy. Mm-hmm. And um, and in reality, you both are. You right. know, it's that, you know, weird mentality that floor nurses are just sitting around upstairs and they're just waiting for the patients or whatever. But in reality, they're running their butts off just as much as we are downstairs in the ER, but in a different way. Um, you know, floor nursing, you can, with the exception of some hiccups in here and there, you could kind of plan your day out. You got your medications at 8, 10, 12, 6, 2, you know, things like that. And then, and you have your floor meds and your assessments and stuff like that. You can kind of get an idea how your day is going to go with an exception of some tests and stuff that the patient goes to or whatever. On the floor, I mean, on the ER, it's just not like that. Right. And you got people coming in, coming out, you know, you got discharge, some going upstairs, you got a critical patient, you got a non, so it's like, but both jobs, both floor nurses and ER nurses are really busy. Right. I, I mean, whether you definitely one's earn a your paycheck not, if you're a nurse. Right. That's just the way it's been. So when someone's giving a report and saying, I'm really busy, I don't have time for that, or blah, 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 I try to like say, okay, I'll give you a call back. I try to be, you know, on an ER nurse to understand what the floor nurse is and vice versa. So nothing's perfect, but. Right. So what what would, being a floor nurse, yeah, I'm guessing it changes how you give a report as an ER nurse. Um, not too much because, at least for me, because um, I still try to do a review of systems. Um, just as if I, because, you know, floor nurses still, we still give report to other floor if we have to other nurses on our own floor of transfer of care handoff care and then also if they get like if they go to the OR or if they go um, to IMC ICU if they're getting upgraded things of that sort so um, you still kind of want to do the review of the systems you know you know respiratory cardiac um, and then some basic stuff 
if I know it in the ER, I'll tell the floor nurse. If I've seen their gait and if I've seen their skin, I'll tell them. And right. I usually, once again, I don't know if that's because I have some bias here, but I try to, I still look at the skin, you know, as much right. as I can. Um, I mean, if I, if I see it, and it depends on the situation too, if it's like not critical, obviously you're going to have more time to do certain things. Or if like the patient's ambulatory needs to go to the bathroom, you get to see that. Right. You get to see if they go to the bathroom. Um, 90, I don't know, good percentage though, if they're not critical, they're not going to be admitted. You won't be needing a call report anyway. Right. So. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast too is because um, we're a family unit and we just recently went through an obstacle as a family and that was your uh, positive COVID test. So I briefly mentioned this on uh, previous podcasts about, especially the last one because I hadn't done a podcast in two weeks time at least. And part of that was because um, we were working through making sure you were okay, making sure Grayson's okay. So can you walk us through a little bit of that? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, yeah, we can start at the, um, the positive COVID test. <laughs> Let's start with the nasal swab. Um, <laughs> well, I wanted, like, in April, I was, I had a, some minor symptoms that were along with COVID, um, a cough and sore throat and um, some awkward shortness of breath that I'd never really had before. And uh, I was swabbed and at work and I had to be in quarantine for a week and a half, I think it was, because the symptoms weren't that long. Um, Although it was negative. And that was negative. Um, so on, I think it was like May 4th, um, actually is... May 4th is when I went to the hospital, but um, a couple of days prior, I um, I remember clearly, I uh, it was one of our nice days. I've been fine all day and playing with Grayson, everything like that, and um, I don't know what you were doing, but I remember you came into the living room and I said, is it cold in here? Oh, right. And um, you're like, you looked at the thermostat, because it was a nice day, we didn't have the air on or anything, and... You're like, uh, it's 75 degrees. No, it's not. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm piled. I have got my sweatshirt and sweatpants on, and I'm covered in blankets and feeling miserable. Um, and I had that low-grade fever. Um, I wasn't really sure. I, I mean, I guess we really didn't really think it was COVID initially because it was just this annoying low-grade fever. Um, no cough, no shortness of breath, anything like that. Um, so, I don't know, two or three days later, with, with Tylenol, every four hours, NyQuil, You just started everything. feeling worse. It just got worse, and no matter what I used, um, Tylenol or anything, I, I just couldn't break this fever. However, it was very low grade. Sometimes, I guess you wouldn't really consider it a fever. Um, sometimes in the 99 range, um, but it would go up. And then, so I went to the emergency room, and uh, where you worked, because I didn't really hey. go <laughs> where I worked. Right, right. And um, That's to a figure thing. out what that was, and I was swabbed, and I tested positive. Um, it did take uh, two, days. two days, I think it was, mm -hmm. um, for us to find out. Um, I did a COVID test last night, and within an hour of pickup, it was done. 
Well, just di- it's just different. It, that test has evolved. Well, to touch on that, you know, is what's available. Um, you know, we have we have, I have I've had patients where we do, a, you know, there's a test that you get the result in you know two or three hours, and then some that we send out. Um, right. It really, you know, probably depends on the likelihood of the patient being admitted and things of that sort um, on how fast we get them. Mm-hmm. I get and all I had was that really that one symptom. Um, that annoying fever. So I guess that was a couple of days for ours. Um, so because you worked there, um, I, two days later, maybe mind you, um, I guess this wasn't the smartest on us, but it still hadn't, I still didn't click that it could have been COVID, um, for either one of us. So I was still not, I didn't quarantine from you guys. Well, you had other complications on top of that that we're not going to really get into. Right. Um, which is why, you know, I really actually went to the hospital and we thought that the fever was secondary to that. But, um, but yeah, so I've been around Grayson and you and uh, <laughs> the emergency called me, emergency room called me at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And uh, I missed the call and you were going in for night shift. Right. And um, they called you. Right. You're my emergency contact and so forth. And then... Next thing you know, I'm, you're coming back home, <laughs> and you're <laughs> right. like, I'm at the top of the steps. And I made like, it to the parking lot at work, and I was like, uh, I can't go in that building. That's right. just that's the wrong thing to do. Right. So I just called. You know, Oc Health had additional numbers for this time period. They had mm-hmm. like a late night and emergency number, and there we go. I had a two week vacation. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. <laughs> no, I made sure you worked during that time. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and you know, I did, I called the occupational health um, hotline as well because I was supposed to work the next day and um, which, you know, I wasn't really going to go in anyway because I was so miserable. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, so that continued, that annoying fever um, for about two weeks and the fatigue. That was um, probably the worst part. Was the worst part um, and the body aches. The body aches probably were the worst part to the point that my skin hurt. Um, The fatigue part where, you know, sometimes I just felt like I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. But then you saw sometimes when my body hurt so bad, I was pacing the bedroom. Right. You're like, what are you doing? You couldn't relax. And I just, I couldn't. And I remember telling them like, you know, or telling you uh, that I can't, I don't, I'm so grateful that I wasn't admitted to the hospital because here I am in our comfortable bed. Um where it was comfortable bed, um, and I'm miserable. Right. So well, I can't imagine being I remember your bed. experience with hospital beds was never good anyway. <laughs> I mean, with Grayson being born, that was, you were yeah. so uncomfortable, not just being pregnant, but I think right. everything attached to you and then trying to get comfortable in one of those beds. I guess, I guess it's pretty safe to say I'm not, I don't have a very high pain tolerance or you're a very difficult patient <laughs> or i'm a very <laughs> difficult patient um so so yeah um i had a little some small gastrointestinal um stuff but not much um never a cough shortness of breath or sore throat um nothing respiratory um you didn't have me. like any sensation like i remember you saying oh yeah but it was I like did. a heaviness almost but it was never really hard to breathe no it was like a chest tightness um, kind of thing, um, and I did lose, or I don't know, I want to say lose. I had 
a decreased sense of uh, taste and appetite. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as smell, I didn't have any issues that. With seemed that. like, yeah, that was pretty widely reported, the changes in mm -hmm. uh, senses. Um, and so while I, I guess a lot of people say is that I had the mild version of it, um, which I am very grateful, um, but even at its mild form, it was so miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so. But luckily, as, me and Grayson never showed right. anything. So, um, to touch on that, um, while we quarantined as a family, um, I stayed in a bedroom, um, which has a bathroom connected to it, and I used that bathroom and um, stayed in the bedroom. And you um, slept on the couch, like I was in couch. trouble. <laughs> slept on the couch and. You, you know, earned Father of the Year because you were the. Oh my sole. God! Again, that is recorded. You can't take that back. <laughs> um, you're the sole provider for Grayson, um, and me, and uh, you know, I, my only connection, you know. Well, side of there. That's that's a good thing to bring up too. Is like the isolation. Like you weren't really. As isolated as some people were, but you felt the effects of isolation. I did. Yeah, there were a couple of nights. The, um, the loneliness gets to you. Yeah, and it's kind of like I remember, it reminded me sometimes like of when I was like a young kid and I'd creep to the top, if my parents told me to go to my room and I'd stand at the top of the steps because I just wanted to come down and hear everything. It's like, it's kind of like what I wanted to do with you guys because I just, I was so alone and I was upstairs and at the same time you're so miserable that you know you can only be on your phone so much and right you know um yeah it it, it was and that, not being able to touch grayson yeah that, that was a weird one too um yeah and even you i mean you know not having you beside me um it not yeah and absolutely i missed this all happened during my first mother's day oh, yeah. um so i couldn't even hold my baby boy on mother's day and mm -hmm. um it was it was very challenging we got swamped with flowers though we did so you you were very well supported even if they weren't here yes um i spent so many hours putting <laughs> flowers into makeshift vases vases whatever <laughs> i'm gonna say vases i'm american um <laughs> yeah i and I, I do. I have, um, we have a great family and um, friends that were very supportive. Um, oh, and, and the wine fairy thing. Oh, my God, we had so many bottles of wine yeah, that you couldn't drink. <laughs> right. Um, that was a random thing. That was not really associated to that. But, oh. um, well, I guess you're not upset that I drank 17 bottles of wine while you were on quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I didn't. It was fine. Not um, a wine guy. Beer I, fairy, if you're listening out there, that would be a really one good one. One does exist in this There is a beer fairy? Yeah. But you might get Bud Light. I'm not, I don't want that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> those were what the symptoms were like. Um, in order for me to return back to work, I needed to be uh, quarantined for at least 10 days and symptom-free for at least three days. Um so I think I was out of work for almost three weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully I didn't need to be hospitalized. And um, 
moving forward. And, you know, as far as support is concerned, um, you know, my sister, as soon as she found out, the first thing she offered was to take care of Grayson. Um, and I think that that, you know, unfortunately I told her as a family we had to quarantine, including you and yeah. Grayson. And well, my side of it was even just you being positive. I had to quarantine for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I was supposed to report symptoms. And obviously that would have gotten longer if I had gotten sick. Right. And I'm sure if you had gotten sick, then mine would have... Well, I don't know if mine would have increased being that I've had it. Well, I guess that's something to touch on, too, is, like, uh, we're still not there with the research, with, like, what's going on with the antibodies, what's going on with immunity, if there's secondary infections. Although Um, I don't hear many secondary infections being reported. Well, I will say this. Talk about research. Um, The very next morning, like, we found at 11 p.m., the very next morning, as, you know, seven eight o'clock in the morning i get calls from random numbers oh and, that's right um it was U- university of maryland school of medicine calling me to be to to study me study, yeah. yeah and um you know i i get what they're doing but i was very annoyed because i was so miserable <laughs> i like the last thing i want to do is sit here and talk to you about my diagnosis and whatnot and and surely i didn't even let her go into what it entailed because there's no way I'm going to go give you blood or anything or leave the house or anything of that sort. Right. Um, and then health department, health department, they called me uh, every two or three days um, and they had a whole case on me. And so they needed to know um, what my symptoms were like at what time and things of that sort. So, um, you know, that was kind of interesting about that. Um, and then even after now, I I have had some random phone calls, um, but I don't answer them. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm afraid, you know, it's somebody you know trying to get my blood somehow or another. Well, I guess you could say on top of that too, yeah. like you, we get phone calls all the time from random numbers and we don't yeah. answer them. So I yeah, mean, my car insurance warranty. Oh my god, the uh, <laughs> the warrant the car warranties. I don't know how right. many. And then uh, XM Radio calls me every day no matter how many times I say I don't want that right yeah <laughs> um yeah I mean I, they have they have slimmed down though all right let's talk about some of the stuff we had to consider as a family um going through this COVID stuff so like going into this we did have babysitters and we did have people to watch Grayson but I mean that kind of fell apart once we, especially after getting your COVID test, but that fell apart even before that. Yeah, um, you know, prior to being diagnosed, um, we had a, a, a pretty decent plan in place. Um, you know, some other families um, in the healthcare field, if they're both in healthcare or one or the other even, um, they would send their children off to parents or people of that sort. And you and I made that decision that um, that we didn't want to go that route. Um, it was a little harder, too, because we had some things to consider, like your parents right. are a little older. Your father's in Florida. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, so things of that sort, you know, I feel like, you know, we, we made decisions. Um, and, you know, being first-time parents, um, they were difficult, you know, as most people would with being a, in a pandemic. Um, 
and then on top of that, us both working in healthcare. Um, so, you know, we decided to make sure that we didn't bring anything in the house um, that wasn't necessary, obviously, um, that we would strip right down at the door and um, obviously not touch Grayson um, until we're showered. And, and with the situation with the babysitter, um, you know, we had a babysitter prior to this declared pandemic and, um, you know, rightfully so she decided not to watch him anymore um for the safety of her family and we understood that um you know with the chance that maybe he would be an asymptomatic carrier or that one of us you know carried it on to him which we later found out you know probably good on her part that she did that because i mean um, ultimately did end up with it but i mean yeah it's not that crazy to think that one of us was going to be COVID positive at some point. And I mean, I could be asymptomatic too. Right. We're never really going to know where you got it. No, we don't. And, you know, and some people are like, oh, because you work in the ER and, you know, but. You could have gone, you know, out pumping gas. Right. Very much so. And, you know, and I've always told people too, like, I could have from work, but we wear full PPE um, with the majority of the patients. So it's like, I feel like work is almost one of the least places that I would get it. Um, And I know I was very precautious too. Like if there was any consideration for it all, respiratory symptom at all, like I was taking precautions. Right. I mean, but it is what it is. It's a disease. We'll never know. You still get the flu every year, you know? Exactly. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, we, we also made the decision that, um, you know, Grayson wasn't going to go to any other family members either because, um, you know, like I said, you said, with um, the distance between some families and um, the population, you know, you know, our parents' age and things of that sort, you know, we didn't want to expose them any more than it had to. And, you know, I did get diagnosed, but I do feel like we'd had a pretty good plan in place, you know, with them. Um, I mean, ultimately, what we were doing is disinfecting and um, yeah. not trying not to bring things in the house. And because we didn't have a babysitter, um, which worked out well, is that we alternated our shifts. And so when one would get home, the other would be with Grayson and, you know, help guide that process of swiftly, you know, you know, you would get home and I would swiftly put your clothes into the laundry while you were upstairs showering and, you know, things of that sort. Right. Um, and wipe it, things down and stuff like that. It so, took some teamwork. Yeah, it, it definitely worked out well that way, I think, um, despite. <laughs> yeah, and luckily I didn't get sick, positive. so I could spend all that time with him, which I think was, was pretty cool because I got to stay with him the whole time. Like Right, and you got dad of the year. I, I get, <laughs> well, I get just time with him, which I think, I don't know how that's going to affect him developmentally. I would hope in a positive way like he's familiar with me he did say dad at first but i also yeah. think that they always oh, say they yeah. mostly say dad at first special. yeah whatever um <laughs> okay. so um so yeah and yeah i think that's pretty much as far as covid and as a family i mean we're still continuing um there everything was, and there was that concern about um children exposed to COVID and there was like an inflammatory response but mm. I mean we were a little concerned about that but 
Yeah, because it, from what I read, there's not obviously a lot of data on it. Um, but there was a young girl that passed away at Hop- I believe she was at Hopkins, um, who's 15. And one of the characteristics of that one was that it, it was very delayed. And mm-hmm. so, um, and it was in children. So when I saw that, and it was right after I'm starting to get better, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> right. Like, he's fine now, but what will be happening in a week or two or something yeah so now we're with being three weeks out he's Mm -hmm. he's been fine and actually during this podcast we've had to stop and start a couple times because he's he demands all the attention he does (laughs) he even has his hands up in the air right now and his toes twirling and we're watching inside out on tv which is helping to distract me as well yeah sounds about right um yeah. So, I mean, overall, I can say that uh, I lived it. You yeah, can that's say it. That we went through it. this. We did it together, and um, I guess we're stronger for it. Um, you didn't want to kill me, um, wait, which wait is a also good news. Cause, Don't go that far. Yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't come into your room late at night with a pillow in my hand but that's probably because you're afraid of getting it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was trying not to pass to grayson that's what i was actually doing exactly everything that we did was just for grayson (laughs) um so now um yeah we're just continuing work and that's it yeah i mean even though we still practice everything the same even though we've had the diagnosis or i have had it um there's too many unknowns there are because you know we don't know if there's still if you guys were asymptomatic carriers or not or have any antibodies um so we still don't know if, if something can be carried in um to either one of you um so we still keep that uh process in place um I am a little concerned that, you know, with everything slowly reopening. um, Well, there's a lot of variables now. They're going to come back up. We've got civil unrest. We've got the COVID stuff still going on. Mm -hmm. I guess the concern is like with all these people not really practicing social distancing. Are we going to get more spikes? Mm -hmm. But then people at the same time don't seem like they can hold back any longer. So you are getting more of the common things in the ER as well. So Mm -hmm amalgamation of everything everything yeah yeah i mean we're kind of you know back to our normal <laughs> you know and sa- we're, an, we're a new that. normal that everyone likes to say yeah but it's really not i mean yeah it's not we're back to what it was before we're at least getting there um just we have to take precautions in right. this sense so we do um i just don't know that everybody else is i think they were a little bored with it mm-hmm. no i will say this you know whether or not you know a, a surge quote-unquote surge is going to come through again i don't know because there are a lot of people that have gotten it and are immune or possibly and there was a fairly high percentage of people that were asymptomatic carriers exactly so where we started a couple months ago and not many people have this immunity or possible immunity um and antibodies hey Oh, you got it all over your face. Hey. That's nice. <laughs> so Grayson's got his noodle dinner all over him, so he's going to be ready for bath time. Oh, and rubbing his eyes. Oh. A little early. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, all right. Anything else you'd like to discuss? While <laughs> our son sits here. No, nah, we can probably do in check-ins. But now, now anytime we're isolated or I can't find another guest, you can just be my fill-in. 
I can. I mean, I am still here with healthcare, and I can, I can update you on my progress. Oh, um, that's true too, because now you are learning to be an ER nurse. So I am, and um, it's good to. We can bring up different topics to talk about because you yeah. got to get good at EKGs. I know, I know. I'm dreading this test. I really need to get done. Um, <laughs> but yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I think we'll call it. Okay. All right, so this has been the seventh episode. Yes, seven episodes of the Status Dramaticus podcast. You have heard my wife and my son, who is throwing a tantrum right now because he's done his noodles. So if you want to contact us, you can uh, email me at statusdramaticusrnems at gmail.com. We also have Apple Podcasts. You can find us on there if you just type in Status Dramaticus Podcast. We are still on Podbean, and we are still uploading to YouTube. And you can follow me or subscribe to my YouTube channel, the Status Dramaticus Podcast or Status Dramaticus R-N-E-M-S. So uh, this has been the the seventh episode. Uh, Take care, and thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) He says bye. (laughs) 